0: So we've been speaking for the last four weeks on God's name. And it's interesting, when Moses was at the burning bush, you know what is so strange about God? He never answers our questions with a logical, simple answer. Because God never answers from our perspective, He always answers from His perspective. We go to God and go, like, "Ah, what are you going to do? And he says, I am. You go, like, that's not helpful. (laughs) Because remember when Moses was at the burning bush, he says, I know the gods of Egypt, but who would I say you are? And God says this, I am that I am, and go tell all the children of Israel, I am. In other words, the rabbinical, rabbinical Jews that have studied the Torah said God said the word I am three times because it points to the three tenses of time. In other words, God says, you don't know me, but I've always been the I am. I'm gracious. I'm compassionate. I'm slow to anger, rich in love. I forgive sin and will not let the guilty go unpunished I am today what I was there and I will be forever what I am and we said that the name of God is self revelatory to who God is and the question that you and I are gonna journey into is a journey through what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. Because you see, the the name of God and who He is has staggering implications on us as His children. Because we can say, oh, I know who God is. He's gracious, He's compassionate, filled with love, slow to anger, forgives, and doesn't leave. No, 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 you see. The same rabbinical Jews, the rabbis who studies the Torah, says the implication is that who God is, is reflected through his children. In other words, let me try and break it down to you this way, and I've got to speed up, but I love worship. Because without the presence of God, where are we, what are we? Right, You know, as we grow up, we look at our parents and we go like, I will never be like my mother. I will never be like my father. And then you grow up and you sit a certain way and they go like, you sit just like your father. You go like, oh dear God. You look just like your mother. You tilt your head sideways just like her. If you look at my dad, he's 90. You look at the pictures throughout all the years of ministry. At the same age, my dad and I look exactly the same. I'm the only human that knows what I'm going to look like at 90. And it's not pretty, people. (laughs) Not pretty at all. And I didn't study his picture and took it to the hairdresser and say, hey, make me like him. His DNA, it's what's Birthing these mannerisms that imitates where I come from. In other words, I don't work every morning go like, I've got to be like my dad. I've uh, got to be like my dad. Uh. No, no, I cannot help it. Because his very personhood is in my blood. A- and the rabbis says that the DNA of the I am is reflected in his children, and the world will know the I am through the life of those who are sons and daughters of God. But you know, Luke chapter 6, verse 36 says this: you must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. And I go, like, oh, I love that scripture. But listen, God. Have you ever lived in the messiness of America? Have you ever had your feet? I know it's easy to be compassionate if you're surrounded by angels and harps and beauty. Do you know what it feels like to live in a broken world? Have you ever met my neighbor, right? Have you ever been at our Thanksgiving dinner? Have you ever met my in-laws, God? Have you ever had somebody push in front of you when you go wash your car? I would love to know what the I am will look like if the I am had to live with his feet in the dust. God, would who you are be compromised if you were to live where we live? How many understand that's a reasonable question? But you see, scripture tells us something interesting. And I'm going to have them put the scriptures on the screen. But I'm going to paraphrase many of these scriptures. And if it, my paraphrasing is wrong, is because there are many translations. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. In other words, Jesus was God. And God took on skin and bone. He unclothed himself from all the splendor of heaven. And the I am didn't stay in heaven. The I am was born in a stable And walked in the brokenness of our humanity. You go like, okay. How human were you really, Jesus? Because we cannot see the spiritual. Jesus, maybe you walked like we walked in the dust and brokenness of humanity. But you like had invisible angels protecting you from what we are not protected from. You know what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 15, oh, I would love for you to read with me. He says, for we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to sympathize and understand our weakness and temptations, but one who's been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect. In other words, have you ever sat on a park bench, Jesus, and people watched? And somebody walked by, you go like, Oh, mm, you're a jerk. I can tell, I can smell the jerk from a distance. Jesus, have you ever sat and some beautiful woman passed you by and you go, like, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. Jesus, scripture says he was tempted in every way that you and I experience collisions, brokenness, and complexity. In other words, the I am that he is came. And lived in a way that made it possible for you and I to say as he Was in the world so we can be in the world Because you see church What really confuses all of humanity is that when our belief Doesn't align with our action when our humanity comes from a operating system of our fallen nature. And we don't operate from a new nature on the inside of us. You say, Pastor P, what what does that even mean? Well, Jesus came on and he climbed on the mountain and people were sitting alongside of him. And he began to speak in Matthew chapter 5 what is called the Sermon on the Mount, or the Beatitudes, because the word blessed is the Latin word for beatu, beatu. And if you've studied uh, Latin, just nod your head like I know what I'm talking about, right? That's the best shot I can give. That's where Beatitudes come from. And some call that Beatitudes, they call that not only a Sermon on the Mount, but they called it God's manifesto of the kingdom of God breaking into the now. Now, let me try and say it this way. Many of us were raised in churches. When we talk about the kingdom of now of God, it was connected to heaven. And they go like, you've got to serve God right now so you can go to heaven because there's only two places heaven and hell and hell is hot and heaven is pretty and and then you go like okay i'm gonna try i'm gonna try i'm gonna try and how many of you know that after a while you know heaven may take a long time but in the lord's prayer he said our father which art in heaven come on hello be your name thy kingdom come not We will go to your kingdom. He says, your kingdom come. That's when the kingdom breaks into the earthly domain. And I think too many of us are waiting for that kingdom to break in, in a supernatural way. And I want you to know the most supernatural way that the kingdom breaks in is when we live our lives from a kingdom heart. That is an upside-down kingdom in this world. Because you see, a manifesto accepts what was the belief, the action, the operator, operator modus that people lived by. But then it envisions what it can be. Hitler wrote a manifesto called Mein Kampf. In other words, when he was in prison, he says, I'm going to tell you a world that I see. And if you read over what he said, he was creating a world that was so attractive that educated people were willing to do unthinkable things because his manifesto promised such a beautiful German people. Now Jesus came and says, here is the manifesto of God breaking into a broken, ordinary world. And I want to read to you that manifesto. It is going to be 20 verses. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, yes, you can. (laughs) Yes, you can. Okay, Najee, here we go. Sermon on the Mount music. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went on the mountainside and he sat down and the disciples came to him and he began to teach he said blessed are the poor in spirit for this is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those and hunger and thirst for righteousness because they they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they themselves will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers Because they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. And for their righteous standing. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hey, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you on Facebook and Instagram. And misunderstand Your motives. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Why would it spare you? He didn't say, I put that in. You are the salt of the earth. Hey, but if the salt of the earth has gone is no longer salty. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then he says, don't you know that you are the light of the world? I love how the message paraphrased this. You are the light of the world. Bring out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We go in public with it as public as a city upon the hill. Now these made you a light. Would he ever put you under a bucket? Never. Therefore, live your life and shine and radiant the multiplicity of who God is. Do not think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish it. Then verse 20. Ooh, Listen to this one. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not experience my kingdom breaking in now. Now the word bless, come on. don't your endeavor and say bless you. I went to the south the other day and somebody just said to me at the airport, if anybody tells you bless your heart, don't say thank you. That's how they say you're an idiot bless you, honey. I go like, no, okay, no. I guess I would go like, oh, thank you, thank you, you blessed You see, the people on that hill were very confused with the word blessed. Because they understood. I love how they Amplified says, he says, blessed, happy to be envied. Because the word blessed was something that was only spoken about and referred to as gods and dead people. Because blessed means satisfied, fulfilled, content, happy, that is disconnected from the circumstances you are in. Now think about it. They were confused. Why would he say blessed are the meek? That makes no sense because the meat will be trampled on. Jesus says, no! You see, you posturing up and defending who you are will not give you satisfaction. No, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to give you what God promised. they, talk, they talked about a, a shalom of God. He says, In this world, you'll have many tribulations, but be of good courage. In the midst of the hardest thing, blessing is when you are all encompassedly covered with divine grace. Do you know, no duck swims in a pond and go like, oh my God, I'm going to get wet. No duck ever goes like, I hope none of us drown today. You know why? Because the duck is... Covered with the blessing of oil on the feathers. God says, if you live my kingdom, I will cover your life with an oil where you experience the same hardships as others, but you will not go under. You will bob up. That is the blessing that I can bring in your life. And I go like, okay, I I love all of that, oh God. But you say that righteousness cannot be the righteousness of the Pharisees. My righteousness needs to be a different kind of righteousness and righteousness simply means right standing with God. Church, here's the thing that is so hard for us because I know many of you go like, yeah, well that sounds great, so how the heck do you do it? Have you ever worked where I worked? Have you ever walked where I walk? Have you ever known what it feels like to not be able to pay your rent or be let go unjust unfair do you know what it feels like to walk down the street and because of my skin color I fear for my life do you really really God do you really and I want to say this to you that the righteousness of the religious people of the day were based on the works that they did the fasting, the praying, the showing up at the right places, the giving the right things. They did all the right things so that people can go like, oh, look at you, look at you, you were in church. Oh, I saw you raise your hands when they saying, Worthy is the Name. Oh, that's all good, all good. But all the time, Jesus says, it's not the actions. It's that it flows from a heart that's been transformed. Church. So I'm going to close this up and then I'm going to show you a video. That's gonna encapsulate the journey that we're gonna take. Being a Christ follower is not adopting a set of beliefs. Have you ever heard people say, I'm a Christian? Oh, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm a Christian? I'm not a Christian anymore. Can I just say this to you that a man that followed the law. His name was Nicodemus. Okay, here we go now. Nicodemus. Music that came to Jesus at night. So the wind was blowing. Nicodemus surfed in the temple. He studied the Torah. In studying the Torah, Jewish children can recite the first five books of the Bible off by heart. You can tell them Leviticus 2 verse 4 and they have not memorized. Nicodemus did all the things that the law required. Yet he was wise. He came to Jesus. He says, I know you were a teacher of God, and there is something strange that I feel. Tell me, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of God? Not go to heaven, enter into this new life you're talking about. Jesus said these words, You must be born again. He goes, Like, okay. How do I go back into the birth canal? Makes no sense. Jesus says, unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot experience a kingdom breaking through now. 1 John chapter 1, verse 12, he says, and all who received him, he gave the power and the privilege and the right to become children of God, not just followers, children. Then he says this, who owe their birth, not by the will of a man or by human reproduction, but by God, you have been born as a child of God. Now, if that is true, then you understand why Second Corinthians says, if any person has been born of God, you're a brand new creature everything on the inside about you has been resurrected and birthed. That is why spiritual growth is so important because if you do not grow, then there is a new new birth in you. He says that's why you need spiritual milk and spiritual parents. That's why I want to say to you, stop hopping church because you cannot grow unless you are planted with people in a house. You cannot grow if, if you are not... Motivated and sometimes prodded to, read scripture and community and all the things that grows you. He says, "If you, you're a brand new creature in Christ, all things have changed. The moral standard, the operating system, everything in your life has changed." He says, "Because you may not understand Second Peter chapter one verse four. That you have become partakers of the divine I am nature of God. Oof. Tie it in, tie it in, tie it in, tie it in, tie it in. In other words, I can look in this camera and tell you right now that if you have not experienced being birthed of God, then You can only look at the kingdom breaking in now, and you're going to try and self will your way to be a better human better Christian. And I want to say to you, it is impossible as someone who has not been birthed of God, who has not received the new nature of God to even begin to practice the new commission and the new manifesto because you see, we don't sit and strive and say, I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be a peacemaker, but I hate people. I can't stand. But I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to be a peacemaker today. No, let me tell you something. When you operate from this new operating system you are drawn to become a peacemaker even when it comes at high cost because the the DNA of the I am is on the inside of you when, when something happens you want to be meek because the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth you you, you will be begin to choose to stand up in places where you misunderstood and you go like people not gonna understand you you stand with a broken You stand with injustice and then people say, oh, you're a Marxist and you're a this and this. Jesus says, if the prophets wasn't spared, I was not spared. Why would you be afraid or wonder that you will be spared? Did you come to live for the acceptance of others? Or are you operating from this deep place of being born of God? I was 13 years old and I'm going to finish with this. I was 13 years old been in church all my life. I don't know how this works. I've heard the story of Jesus so many times. At age 13, July 27, I went on my knees. Because every you know a youth camp for us a youth retreat they always made hell hot and heaven beautiful and I would cry snot everywhere. I would cry, I'm so scared of hell I go like, Jesus, I'm going to live for you, I'm going to live for you, I'm going to live for you and then I live for him for a week and then it's all over, and then I go like, I cannot tell you how many times I pray, please don't come before a camp. Please Jesus, come after a camp. I'll be so ready after a camp. And I realize there's something wrong with this. In my room on my knees, I prayed this prayer. I need a new heart. For you said, I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. With my strong, mighty arm, I will rescue you out of darkness and resurrect what is dead. Like he said, Lazarus, come out. That night he said, Pierre, come out. Something... And you see, if you've never experienced that, I want to encourage you, go on your knees. He says, I will never turn aside those who come to me. If you call upon my name, I will answer. He's not to be found only in church, he's to be found on your knees. He's to be found when you call upon his name. Because you see, church, I want you to know this as we study scripture, everything we talk about is not morals and a higher standard of living. It's the natural outflow of a redeemed heart in a broken world. That is why I believe that God wants to take this faith community, this beautiful family, and He wants to Unravel our feathers and awaken us to the understanding he doesn't change your mind. He gives you a new heart so that we can be the reflection of the DNA of God in us. Here's my last story not a story. Jesus told this parable. He says two men were building houses. Same material. Same everything. But two different foundations. Paul writes this. He says God is the master architect, but we are the builders. We can choose the materials we're going to build from. You can choose the life that you're going to build from. He says, but I want you to know, everything is going to be tested by fire. (laughs) My wife and I are watching The Office again, (laughs) rerun. (laughs) You know when they go on the cruise? (laughs) and They go like, how long before Michael gets on the boat and shout, I'm the king of the world? (laughs) If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. (laughs) You should, actually, it will help you. (laughs) Two minutes, and Michael go like, I'm the king of the
1: world.
0: The greatest deception is when life is going well with you without God. When your bank account is full because you think you know how to make money. When you're so educated, you can swap jobs every week. and That is the greatest deception because the Bible says, everything in our lives will be tested by fire. Can I tell you this? I've lived long enough to know everything, your marriage, your children, everything will be tested by fire. Because the Bible says, when the storm came, when the winds blow, the house that stood was built on a transformed heart, seated on the firm foundation of Jesus. But this is not a message just for you. This is a message for us as a community. The world is searching for the evidence of the I am in the sons and the daughters of God that is not emulating it but is living from a transformed life. So I want you to watch this clip That will encapsulate all of what I said. Because in the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the four areas that these Beatitudes touch. Because it's not something we have to do. It's something that will flow from us. Because we are sons and daughters of God. And the DNA of heaven is in us our heart. Check this out.
1: It is both easy and hard, abiding in the alternate kingdom that Jesus described on the mountain that day. Hard because the kingdom of love runs so very contrary to our human flesh with its calls to forgiveness over vengeance, and rest over anxiety. Easy, because the kingdom of love is established not in us fighting huge battles in our own strength, but in resting in his strength, and doing the small things his way. For his kingdom is established a little more each time we close our eyes. Take a deep breath and choose grace. We do not live out of the Sermon on the Mount, as if it were a script or a story that was fixed in the past. Rather, we live into it, allowing its dangerous declaration of love to be established in our living. And if we have decided to be those who say Jesus is Lord and who determine determined to take his ideas seriously, What might that look like? Perhaps it's dialing every digit of a phone number of the one who swore we would never speak to again. Perhaps it is found in the exact moment of holding betrayal in both hands, feeling its weight and letting it go. Or allowing the criticism we want to voice to remain unsaid. Or maybe it's letting our hearts soften towards the parent who falls so desperately short. And if finding the strength to live into his love isn't about our own capacity, but his, perhaps we can finally exchange our long-held bitterness for grace. Perhaps forgiveness is possible. Simple, but not easy. For it is not easy to resolve to find a way forward when a family who fought so hard to build is so horribly broken. And it is not easy to exchange words of criticism for kindness when speaking of a man who is no longer a husband, but who will always be a father of our kids. It always costs us something to open the fortified heart to forgiveness. Though it still stings too much to forget. Yet each of us allows the colors of his kingdom to break through every time we choose his love. The kingdom breaks through every time we find our identity in Christ alone. Forgoing the accolades of this world by allowing our acts of generosity to be seen by him alone. And when we choose contentment, knowing he will provide over the stress of pursuing earthly treasure. And we declare the manifesto of his alternative kingdom with our lives. And in our humility, when we acknowledge our prejudices and the fears on which they stand and ask God to help us change. And when we choose that same humility in the face of those who misunderstand our motives, who can't understand, and who seek our destruction, we even declare it when we awaken to face our hardest day and ask for his peace, his all-consuming peace that runs so contrary to the empire of this earth. For the kingdom of love is established And having every reason to throw a punch, we steady our gaze, set our jaw, and with courage, turn the other cheek. When we deal with anger, not with the weapons of war or words, but on bended knee. And not with empty words that are designed to impress others, but earnest words and earnest hearts submitted to his will.